Welcome again to the Business of Kush, the cannabis business podcast where your host, Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and his guests talk about all the business side of the cannabis industry, including accounting, finance, investing, and news of the day. If you're a cannabis business owner, investor, or industry insider looking for the dopest tips to make more money, improve profits, and increase the value of your cannabis business, you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Chip Schweiger. Hey, folks. Welcome to this week's episode of the Business of Kush podcast. Really glad that you're here. If you're a new listener, a hearty welcome to what is quickly becoming one of the best business podcasts for cannabis entrepreneurs. And if you're a regular listener and subscriber, thanks for joining us again this week. So I'm your host, Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and I'm a 27-year veteran of public accounting and corporate finance. And I'm also the founder and managing member of a CPA firm that helps marijuana, hemp, and CBD businesses stay on the right side of tax, accounting, and compliance rules. And because we're a firm that solely caters to the complex compliance needs of the cannabis community, we understand the unique challenges you're facing. So, how's your 2022 going so far? Are you happy to be done with 2021 and turn the page, or are you feeling like it'll be more of the same? Well, whether 2021 was a banner year for you, or whether you're looking for the new year to be that year, you're likely always thinking about ways to boost the value of your cannabis company. And look, with 2021 firmly in the rearview mirror, this is the time to talk about, and what we're going to do this week is talk about the nine New Year's resolutions to consider to help you create a more valuable, a more resilient, and a more scalable cannabis business. All right, so our number one tip is stop chasing revenue. So what do I mean? I mean, a bigger cannabis company is not necessarily a more valuable one if the extra sales come from products and services that are too reliant on you to deliver them or if they're products with lower margins. So I was reading an article in Inc. Magazine recently that was really right on point with this. And the point of the article was that growth for growth's sake seems sometimes to be a very popular route. I get it. Magazine covers are littered with unicorn companies that have raised unprecedented amounts of capital and are acquiring customers at astonishing speeds. However, if you want to build a business around your life and your happiness, growth might be the least viable option. So why is that? Well, for starters, growth creates redundancies and unnecessary complexities. By staying small and nimble, you can avoid the perils of bureaucracy and you can retain control over your company. When traditional, large companies have a problem, they have to go hire more people and build complex infrastructures to support more employees, more red tape, and more research. And thanks to demands from investors and board members and legal departments, growth makes it increasingly difficult to get simple things done efficiently. The number two tip, start asking your customers what they truly want So a lot of companies out there seek customer reviews, but I wonder if we're using those positive reviews to sell more products or if we can use even negative reviews and actual discussions with customers to refine our offerings to those that customers really want and that they will consistently buy and that carry with them higher margins. 
So too often we offer our customers what we want them to buy. It Maybe it's a gummy that we've fallen in love with or an oil that we think is particularly good. But are they the same products our customers want, like truly want? Now, it's not a good business practice to carry everything any customer could ever want. But there is a place to make sure that you've identified the top 5 or 10 products your dispensary customers, for example, always want. And it makes sense to ensure that you always have those on hand. And that brings us right to our third tip, which is sell less stuff to more people. So what do I mean by that? Well, the most valuable companies have a defendable niche selling a few differentiated products and services to many customers. The least valuable businesses sell lots of undifferentiated products and services to a concentrated group of buyers. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, Chip. You just told me to figure out what our customers want and then to provide it to them. And I did. You heard that right. But step two in that process is to narrow your offerings down to the most popular ones and then sell a ton of them to as wide an audience as possible. And that's the secret of selling less stuff to more people. All right, our number four tip is drop the products and services that depend on you. So hear me out. If you offer something that needs you to produce it or you to sell it, consider dropping it from your offerings. Services and products that require you suck up all your time and cash and quite frankly really don't contribute significantly to a business's value. If you think back now to an episode a month or so ago about Josh Delaney, what he did was he kept optionality. And for you, that optionality comes from only focusing your time where you can add true value. All right, the number five tip for 2022 for your cannabis business is create more recurring revenue. And this is one of the most impactful tips out there. So let's talk about it. Predictable sales from subscriptions or recurring contracts mean less stress in the short term and a more valuable business over the long run. So if you're a processor, for example, Think about how you can have your customers maybe forward buy oil on a regular basis. And for a dispensary operator, think about on-demand delivery of a subscription package because I tell you what, it's quickly becoming the future of cannabis retail. So if your state has embraced modern cannabis retail solutions, you have a great opportunity to ride the wave of shifts in consumer behavior dictated by convenience. And it's important to remember that delivery paves the way for local businesses to have a greater competitive advantage by making it easier for existing customers to buy your products. And it also expands a retailer's reach beyond existing customer base. Remember, we just talked about selling fewer differentiated products to a larger audience. Well, this is how you can do it. Just try not to juggle too much. So, Store owners who built their businesses from the ground up often feel a need to handle all of the responsibilities on their own. And we kind of talked about this a little bit, right? However, this mentality can create massive opportunity costs, especially when they reach a consumer point and as consumer demand ratchets up. So independently handling customer acquisition, marketing, and driving volume not only costs time and money, but it is also nearly impossible to execute at scale. So now we're talking about point three and point two, adding them together. 
So if you find that delivery is profitable and worthwhile, you're probably going to find that it's only when the retailer generates enough order volume to keep cars on the road. And this can be accomplished with tech platforms that are out there that offer more features compared to conventional dispensary sites. And of course, managing and delivery of these e-commerce logistics is a completely different beast compared to running a physical store. So some things to think about there, which brings us to our next tip. Number six, be different. And what I mean by this is refine your marketing strategy to emphasize the point of differentiation that your customers value. And you got to be relentless in highlighting this advantage. So we've talked about this before, right? When a new state opens up for recreational medical marijuana, there are tons of people lining up to get a license. And in some states, that's meant a dispensary on virtually every corner. I lived in Colorado when recreational marijuana was legalized there. And I'll tell you, at one point, there were more dispensaries in the city and county of Denver than there were Starbucks. And that's really cool if you like your weed more than your coffee. But that market quickly figured out that simply opening a brick and mortar store was not a sustainable business model. So you've got to figure out what makes you and your products and your experience and your offerings different. All right, our number seven tip. Find a backup supplier for your most critical raw materials. So consider placing a small order to establish a commercial relationship and diversify the sources of your most difficult to find raw materials. If something happens in the business of your biggest supplier, guess what what that means for your business? Yep, you got it. Now I'm not suggesting ditching any supplier relationships, but diversifying here just a bit can really help you create a more valuable business, and it also can help reduce a lot of these headaches. All right, the number eight tip, I call it teach them to fish. So answer every question that you get from your employees with what would you do if you owned the business? Your goal here is to cultivate employees who think like owners so that they can start answering all their own questions without coming to you. And this is going to free up a ton of time for you to be strategic and to be creative about how you implement some of the other strategies. And it reduces dependency on you, which always makes your cannabis business more valuable. Okay, and our number nine tip is create an instruction manual. And by that, I mean document your most important processes so your employees can do their work independently. Now, our industry is very familiar with SOPs, but how often do we use them in running our companies? We use them for compliance, yes, but I think you'd be surprised at how valuable they can become in creating a scalable cannabis company. So there you have it. Nine initiatives you can implement right now to make the year that we're coming into the best year for your cannabis business. And here's to building an even more valuable company in 2022. And if you want to talk about any of these in more detail, look, drop me a note at our new website, bizofcush.com, or simply send me an email at chip at thegreenleafcpa.com, and I'm happy to talk with you about it. All right, before we finish for this week, let's get to our last segment, And that's the one we call News of the Day. News of the Day. 
All right, our first one, let's see. Oh. All right, let's start with this one. This is from MJ Bizcon, um, who, hey, by the way, uh, MJ Bizcon, you may have seen, was recently acquired by Emerald X, Emerald 10. I'm not quite sure how you say it, but uh, congratulations to them. Uh, truly, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, right, which is create a valuable business, create a business that is scalable, and then set yourself up for the best opportunity uh, for acquisition or a transaction if that's what's in your future. So, anyways, congratulations to the folks at MJ Biz Daily. Uh, good, good folks. Enjoyed attending the conference and especially enjoy reading the news daily. Which so today's article: California Governor pledges cannabis tax reform. So there has been, if you follow the. California marijuana market at all. And for those of you who are listening in from California, I get it. It is a struggle, right? There's been lots of commentary about the high level of taxes in California, such that it makes it difficult, if not impossible, in a lot of cases to compete with the gray market. So in this article, let's see, we talk about Governor Gavin Newsom gave California's marijuana industry reason to rejoice this season or this week rather, when he came out forcefully in favor of overhauling the state's cannabis tax system to help marijuana businesses woo customers from this thriving underground market that we talked about. So his quote was, it's my goal to look at tax policy to stabilize the marketplace, he said in a news conference. It's also my goal, I'm quoting Gavin Newsom now, it's also my goal to get these municipalities to wake up to the opportunities to get rid of the illegal market and to provide support from a regulatory framework for the legal market. Well, you know, I was actually just talking with someone at a lunch the other day. They're not in the cannabis industry. They know a little bit about it, but they'd seen some news articles about California, and they asked the very same question. How would a cannabis company in California compete with the illegal gray market? Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a question that I quite frankly didn't have a straight answer for. Maybe Gavin Newsom uh, can have it, but the early returns on this particular speech was that the uh, details of how Newsom hopes to accomplish these goals remains pretty scarce. So it's not super clear right now how Newsom would stabilize the legal cannabis market. It's not clear what tax changes he'd seek uh, or how any maybe grant programs might work. And it's also not clear whether any tax reforms would translate into cannabis prices that are low enough to draw consumers away from illicit operators. So more to come on this. I mention it just because, look, we know California is a massive market for marijuana. We know that it's a mature market and we're starting to see now and have been seeing it for a while quite frankly starting to see how state policy in terms of legalizing cannabis but still it's a tough business in some of those states all right let's see let's do this one all right comes to us from uh let's see canvas business times this is actually pretty interesting so just looking at this headline mississippi senate sends a stern message to the House and governor in a 46-5 to passage of a medical cannabis bill. This is in Mississippi, y'all. So this is after 
Uh, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves played games with calling a special session last fall. The state Senate really didn't mess around on passing medical cannabis legislation this week. So making quick work of approving the Medical Cannabis Act in Mississippi, the upper chamber took up the legislation and last Thursday sent a stern message to the House and the governor with a 46 to 5 vote for passage. And this is in a heavily Republican-controlled state. So one of the things this tells me is, look, cannabis is for everybody. It, it doesn't have political parties. It doesn't have, it doesn't care about anything other than you got to love the plant. And I just love that about news stories like this. So what the law does in Mississippi looks like it, uh, it allows one gram of concentrate or 100 milligrams of THC in an infused product per day or what equates to roughly three and a half ounces of flour per month. So the, but now the proposed possession limit created a rift actually with between the legislature and the governor. Uh, you know, there's some monkey business going on there, but look, I, I think that the reason I mentioned this is it is so cool to see the continuing expansion of medical marijuana programs across the country, as well as recreational marijuana programs. And, this is a, a great example. Hopefully this will happen in Mississippi. You know, they've got an interesting history because uh, there, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, originally the voters approved this initiative, like something like 60% or 70% to allow medical marijuana. And then the state Supreme Court struck it down through a bunch of legal cases. So what this bill is supposed to be doing and hopefully will do is basically mirror that act that the voters approved before. Look, we live in a country where 76% of us in this country approve of legalizing marijuana in some form or fashion. In such a divided country, we don't have any place else where we can get three quarters of the people to agree on anything. So the people want marijuana. Hopefully in this particular case in Mississippi, the people will get what they wanted, what they voted for, and what the legislature and hopefully the governor will ultimately deliver to them. All right, and our last story. I I like this one. This is a good, feel-good story, y'all, so I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Let's see. The article is titled, Former Lobbyist Finds a New Calling in Cannabis. So Matt Munoz uh, was so passionate about his alma mater, the University of New Mexico, that he stuck around well after graduation. And starting as a student intern, Munoz worked for the University of New Mexico's government relations team for about a decade. And that meant long days in Santa Fe when the state legislature was in session. He kept working at it, kept working at it. Uh, He had actually been a lobbyist for UNM and helped them lobby for funding on projects raising uh, $30 million for the school's expansion to the hospital for a new physics and astronomy facility. So this guy's a tenured lobbyist, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic hits and, and he had long meetings and those turned into zoom calls that still felt longer. So it was one of those times where he just decided he was going to trade in an established job at one of the state's largest employers for a shot to crack the state's newest industry, recreational cannabis. So we're talking about New Mexico, uh, so he is now the chief innovation and finance officer 
at uh, Carver Family Farm, which is one of the first cannabis producers in New Mexico to receive a micro business license in that state. And so it's been 24-7, he says. Uh, and, you know, this is a story that we hear a lot. He's been interested in cannabis for years. In fact, when he was in high school, he was caught with five grams of cannabis, I guess, for which he lost his scholarship, wasn't able to graduate in time, and had to spend 10 days in county jail. I mean, that's dumb. Uh, but he says it caused him to be a five-year senior at the school. So he went from lobbyist uh, to a new position and a new world in terms of the cannabis industry. Best of luck to you, Matt, in your cannabis business. And also, by the way, he's in New Mexico, great state, uh, just starting to open up now for marijuana. And I'm actually going to be speaking at a cannabis conference. I guess it's in uh, end of February in Albuquerque. Looking forward to it. And we're also going to have a booth there. So pretty excited about that. Congratulations to New Mexico. And congratulations again to Matt Munoz. Uh, welcome to the family. Okay, so hey, you may have seen that we've got a new website for this podcast. So we're now at bizofcush.com. And just as before, we've got every episode there with the show notes and a place for you to ask questions or to provide feedback on what you'd like to hear more about so that we can provide it for you, our listeners. See what I did there? Okay, seriously, head on over to bizofcush.com and please drop us a note. And even you can, if you just want to say hi, We'd love to hear from you. You can put it in a comment or you can leave us a voice message while you're right there at that website. And also just one last reminder, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. All of them are at bizofcush. So let's connect. And with that, we're done for this week. Thanks again for your continued support of this podcast. Hope that you're enjoying it and hope that you're getting real value out of it. And look forward to you joining us again next week. We'll see you. You've been listening to The Business of Kush, the podcast for cannabis business owners, investors, and industry insiders. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's easy to do by clicking on that subscribe button or follow button. And you can also follow us on social media at at BizofKush or visit us on the web at www.thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. We'll catch you in the next episode. And thanks again for listening to The Business of Kush.